Reality, a podcast that combines lived experience with the scientific knowledge of burnout to help listeners prevent, recover, and grow from burnout. My name is Shannon Swales, a human and clinical psychologist with both lived experience and scientific knowledge and skills in burnout. It is my hope that the values of authenticity, compassion, wisdom, and community shine through in each and every episode of the pod. Episodes that share my own and others' lived experiences of burnout and interviews experts, guests to help listeners build awareness and hope to prevent, recover and grow from burnout. The views, opinions, tips and the like expressed by myself or my guests are not a replacement of personalised therapy. Just like I have done for myself and many of my guests, I encourage those of you that are suffering to seek professional help. In episode 29 of When Burnout Becomes Reality, I sit down with Marissa McCool from McCool Coaching, a public health worker from the US who experienced her own burnout prior to the pandemic and upon recovery made it her life's ambition to help out women in public health prevent, recover and grow from burnout. I interview Marissa on a very important topic and a topic very special to her, rest. Marissa clarifies what rest actually is and it isn't what you think. She also shares the challenges to getting rest, like time, and how to overcome these, so some practical steps that you can take away, as well as the many benefits known to getting rest, benefits that can help you make that start with incorporating rest into your schedule, but also help you to look out for those benefits you start to gain that will help you be able to maintain that rest schedule well after recovery to help prevent any return of burnout. Throughout the interview, we share antidotes from our own personal experiences of burnout, but also the professional experiences to help you, the listener, gain insight into your own experiences and a way forward to getting rest in your life to help, of course, to prevent, recover and grow from burnout and just in general to support your health and well-being. So grab your cuppa or put your walking shoes on, however you like to listen or watch your podcast and be sure to share your thoughts with me by liking, commenting, sharing this episode or better yet, follow to keep updated on new releases. I'll be forever grateful for your help in that and for your input. Take care of you and enjoy the episode. Hi Marissa and welcome to When Burnout Becomes Reality podcast. Lovely to have you here finally. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And all the way from um, Massachusetts, oh no, so Colorado, sorry, I got that wrong before our little pre-chat. So (laughs) it's, um, yeah, you're over there in the Northern Hemisphere, Colorado, and me back here in Brisbane, Australia, so completely different weather zones at the moment and time zones. 
Yes, yes. We had a little snow last night. And so it's nice. And at the time we're recording this, like cozy. Yeah. Oh, stop it. And don't <laughs> tell me you have a fireplace as well. <laughs> I wish. I wish we had a fireplace. We are moving somewhere next week, which is why I have a bunch of moving stuff behind me to a place with a bathtub finally. So that will also finally be nice. Oh, yes. That'd be lovely having some nice warm, yeah, hot tubs. Yeah. When it's yeah. Um, cool outside, nice and cozy. Yes. Well, hopefully cross fingers. We They've got storms predicted here this morning um, that they just at least stay away. When I looked at the radar, looked like they'll stay away long enough. So let's hope that there's yeah. no thunder. Um, apparently, apparently supposed to be pretty bad, but um they don't end up ten they don't tend to be on this side of Brisbane so let's cross fingers um that that doesn't happen but hey where uh you're coming here to talk about a very important topic that I haven't made space for yet on the podcast and that is about rest uh and and the importance of rest you know in particular um with with burnout but in life in general but before we get on to that very important topic i, I suppose uh, getting to know you and your own journey because i have looked you up <laughs> and and we've just we've been talking you know prior to the show you know that you've had your own personal journey um as well and and professional what you've set up and I was wondering if you can share a little bit about that if you don't mind for the listeners yeah I'm happy to so I coach women who are burning out or stressed in public health currently but that all started because I was a woman in public health who burnt out so mm-hmm. spent 10 plus years working in public health mostly in sexual violence prevention reproductive health maternal and child health And always along the way, I was also doing some form of workforce development. I was that person organizing, advocating in our organization for better conditions, better support, Mm. professional development. And I worked across government, academia, nonprofit, really is a passion. People who work in public health do it because they love it, not for the fame or the pay, because that doesn't really exist. (laughs) Um, And I ended up finding myself burnt out, which I'm happy to dive into. But the shorter story is I burnt out, then I was able to get out of it. Mm. And my life improved so much. Then the pandemic happened. Mm. And everyone, of course, across the globe was dealing with the stress of that. But in in public health, particularly, I can only speak to the context in the US where I was, Mm. our workloads increased so much, there was so much added work and pressure on us. In addition to you know, some people taking care of kids and doing Zoom school or dealing with a sick family member or their own health concerns. And what I realized was I had these tools to help me keep my stress or manage my stress, prioritize self-care within this that my colleagues didn't have. And so I started sharing some of them and that's where the business really started of coaching other women. And, mm. um, you know, I've gone on to get formal training and all that, but, mm. um, that was only, that was a couple of years ago. So now I work with folks one-on-one to help them eliminate their burnout, reduce their stress and build tools in their toolbox for preventing it from coming back. Mm-hmm. Well, like, it, and I must admit, being you know someone that works in the burnout space as well, and coming from my own personal journey of burnout, public health sector is one I haven't touched upon um, as much. Uh, in so, yeah, hearing your experience um, as well, particularly with the pandemic and and how that extra workload, which makes sense now, I'm hearing it, but hearing it, you know, vicariously through you. 
of those workloads that were already pretty high and you know that passion driven behind it advocating as well not just for the um the, you know the things that you were doing but internally for for the staff and for the development um wow wow like just so much pressure I just feel a weight <laughs> you know like yeah. that yeah you must have been feeling and your colleagues you know your fellow um public sector employees and imagine have things shifted or changed in that industry or what yeah uh, now that you're working you know, with all your lived experience as well as your you know professional expertise as well now working in this space helping your fellow public health sector but yeah what are you noticing in that sector yeah it's a really interesting time because I think mm. I mean public health the field had high burnout before the pandemic. Mm. I mean, consistently, at least in the U.S. context, underfunded, lack of staff, high turnover. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I'm talking about public health, for those listening, I'm not necessarily talking about nurses and doctors and folks on the front line. It's it's folks that you don't hear as much about or maybe didn't until the pandemic, doing research, epidemiologists, program managers, folks Mm -hmm. working with the community, building programs, evaluation, things like that. So burnout was already high. I think what happened in the pandemic, of course, it got Mm -hmm. extremely um, extreme. But I also think that leadership finally kind of took a bigger notice of it. Okay. And although that's a good thing, it's become more of a talking point okay. where not a lot of shifts and actions and actuality have happened. And okay. part of that's because the challenges of lack of funding, lack mm-hmm. of staff, lack of resources still exist. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, awareness has gotten better and people are trying, but I think there's still those external barriers and challenges that haven't been addressed on a, on a system-wide field, organization-wide mm. level. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your insights into that and, and clearing up what public health actually, yeah, what we're talking about there, the roles there, not to confuse it with, with the other health services. Uh, there was a, a guest and her name is escaping me and I feel very bad because we worked together. Um, uh, she works in the public health sector and is public health trained and she burnt out her and her partner, actually, he works in a different industry and she came on to share her lived experience and um, she's in Australia, like works, um, lives in Australia. Uh, so I'm, um, I, I can't, I don't know if we, we got a lot into her personal story, but not, not so much about the industry here in Australia. But what you were saying there, without getting too bogged down in this, but uh, I so um, rich um, information about this sector, this industry. Um, what you were saying there is that awareness is there, and I think that's very similar in a lot of industries now that the um, that wasn't there before in leadership and management. Uh, that, but that it's not yet. Well, you know, for some maybe, but not yet in that action phase. It's more the talking phase and. Um, and that awareness, but not quite. And sometimes it's because they're not quite sure what to do or they lack the resources or both. And I think time is one of those resources, right? Because there, there's so much emphasis and so much work to do in that productivity that in order to do some of this stuff that is needed to take care, we actually need time and space to like, and I'm doing this kind of like, it's almost like peel back the stuff to do. And can we just create some space in which 
these kind of, it's almost like we need to slow down to have these conversations and to take action and put these actions in place that could help. I don't know what your yeah. thoughts are on that, but I'm always thinking it's time yeah. and space, time and space. <laughs> I also think I, when I think about burnout, I think of like the external piece and the internal piece. So the external piece is kind of the organization-wide leadership. And a lot of that, we actually have to really dismantle some stuff and rebuild the culture and the norms in the workplace and the expectations. And that takes time. And sometimes that's frustrating because it's somewhat out of our control. Mm. And also, do we just wait for that to change to feel better? And sometimes we focus so much on that. We forget to talk about the internal piece of where we have control to make changes. Mm. And that was really my experience of, you know, when I burnt out, I remember this like yesterday, Mm. it was a Sunday. I was outside playing with my dog. It was sunny. And then I hear, you know, bing, 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 bing on my phone, email after email after email. And I just started crying from the exhaustion. Mm -hmm. The emails weren't negative. I wasn't in trouble. It was just like, Hey, here's this report. Can you get this back to me tomorrow? And I was so exhausted. And what I thought the problem was, was that I was doing the job that was at one point three positions that Mm -hmm. got downsized because of funding cuts and layoffs. Mm -hmm. I thought the the biggest barrier was the leadership who weren't making enough changes to support mm. staff. And although th- those were real challenges mm. that do need to change, I wasn't recognizing where I was contributing to my own burnout by not mm. setting boundaries, by not saying no, by not prioritizing myself. Mm. And I also didn't realize a lot of my burnout was driven by things outside of work too. I had just Um, finished living with my mom for about six months, taking care of her while she was recovering from an illness, you know? So these things, not just my story, but I see this with clients all the time. It's not just work. It's the challenges you might face with your health or family members or raising kids, or uh, it's the whole piece of um, the story, not just the one slice of work. Yeah. So true. And I, I suppose I split it up in the and I've taken this from the literature, like the or, there's the organizational factors, but then there's also the individual factors. And yeah. of course, like culturally as well. And yeah, the it can become debilitating and part of the burnout if we get fixated on the stuff outside of our control. Because as you said, a lot of those organizational factors are things that whilst you can advocate for change, the change is up to them to do you know, and yeah. so for our own health and well-being, focusing on what are the factors that I'm doing or, or that is part of my personal life that is contributing to me being burnt out or, you know, working with your clients. And that gives us that sense of control or and even those boundary setting, which is working with those organizational factors too, you know, how I can work with that. So talking about that, one of the things that are in um, our control but bloody difficult to do is how I see it, is what we're talking about today, which is, which is rest. Um, yeah. And all here is rest is best. Uh, but when we come down to do it, or some of us, when we come down to do it, it's so hard to do. And I was wondering if you can share with the listeners, well, what is rest exactly? Like, you know, we hear, you know, stopping and, you know, we think probably sleeping or resting or napping but it's much more than that, right? And so I want to, yeah, can you share what what is rest? What are we talking about here? 
Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because we think of rest as actions or activities and typically only a handful come to mind, sleeping in, vacation, going to the spa. And while those things can be restful, we've all had the experience of coming back from vacation and saying, I need a vacation for my vacation, right? Oh. Or, yeah, yes. <laughs> I know we're all raising our hands. Or maybe treating yourself to a pedicure or massage, but then not enjoying it because you're just listing all the things in your head you have to do once it's over, right? Yeah. So the yeah. action and the activity doesn't guarantee you're going to experience rest. And the way I like to break down rest and think about rest is much broader. So I like to think about it in four different categories, physiological rest, physical rest, mental and emotional rest. Mm -hmm. So for folks listening, just to kind of give some definitions for those physiological rest are the things your body does that you might not have a ton of control over. So when we sleep, our brain consolidates memory. Um, many folks probably heard of rest and digest, right? So when your body is at that kind of, um, static state, mm. those are important. Those are important activities for our body to have the energy and the fuel to do what we need to do. Mm. Then there's physical rest, which might be the rest that we have a little bit more control over. We might think of that as sleeping in, which could be, but it could also be going for a walk. If we sat at our desk all day, could be mm. stretching if we're feeling sore, right? Mm. There's a lot that could fit in that category. Mm. But what I really find folks who are burnt out, it's the mental and emotional rest that they're missing, right? So the mental rest, you aren't experiencing that when you're carrying a heavy mental load, the cognitive load of planning everything for everyone in your head, putting everyone else first, mm. and even, even other types of mental exhaustion, self-critiquing yourself constantly mm. or worrying all the time what other people think. Mm -hmm. Um kind of the mental clutter in our yeah. brains, that's not restful. Um, and then emotional rest, which can be very related, but I think of it really as when we're stuck in an emotion. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I was burnt out, I was stuck in resentment, resenting my leadership for not doing anything, resenting my sisters for not helping when my mom was sick. And I just did not know how to process and get out of that emotion and it didn't give me space to invite in other emotions like of calm, of peace, mm. of relaxation. Mm. Um, for some folks, you might be stuck in exhaustion, waking up, dreading the day, already feeling like a zombie. Mm. For some folks I work with, like I have a few clients right now, they're stuck in fear, fear of failure, fear of rejection. So they're unable to really prioritize rest because they're worried, oh, if I don't do enough, I'm not going to succeed. I'm going to burn bridges, right? So yeah. When we break yeah. it down that way, you can see that you have a lot more areas that you can make progress on and shifts mm -hmm. on to experience more rest. That doesn't require you to spend more money necessarily on a vacation mm -hmm. or, you know, take a whole week off of work. There, yeah. there are ways that allow you day to day to get a little bit more rest. Yeah. I, I, I love that categorization of it. I don't know if that's the right word, but I just love that breakdown because um, I've never looked at it that way. And as you were speaking and sharing your own personal and, and you know, the client base you see, I'm, I identified there my own burnout, um, the fear, I was stuck in fear um, was my main one and worry. Um, so that anxiety and fear. So that's where I was stuck. And mentally there was, and that was probably a secondary, but earlier on in my life, um, I just did a lot of work around the mental stuff. Um, but that was still the self-critiquing actually was still there. Um, so that's just a really lovely way. And, and I, I feel the listeners will get a lot out of that 
to help starting to see where it is for them, but also, as you said, start to see where, you know, uh, improvements could be made and it doesn't have to be on this large financial scale, you know, which is often what we're thinking there's got to be these catastrophic changes in order for a, a change, but it can be that, you know, the little changes that add up, that, that, that mean something that become part of your repertoire. So yeah, I love that. It's, um, yeah. 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 It really helps you figure out like where maybe you're stuck and gives you a place Mm. to start, but it also helps illustrate that rest is personal and unique to each of us. Mm. Right. I was talking with someone and this was such a great example. Her husband found traffic restful sitting in a car in traffic. Mm. Most people probably wouldn't. Right. Mm. But he did. And I think, I think when we break down rest this way, we get to see that rest is specific Mm. to us and it might change as our weeks change or our seasons change or what's going on. And it gives us so much more flexibility and expansiveness to include rest every day mm. rather than just a treat every once in a while. Yeah, because that's the key, right? It, it, what I've come to learn and what's important and helping the clients I work with is it, it's, it's about, yeah, it, it becomes a consistent thing that we do. You know, it's part of our day you know um but it's it's getting to that point not just something we treat ourselves to when we've done everything you know it's the as some of my clients talk about it's at the end of their to-do list and when everything else is done then I'll um do what is needed for me uh and they never get there because it's you know working with people that often are uh you know both the carer at home and the carer in their work you know there's always yeah, it's always a never-ending list um, of things to do. Yeah. So yeah, I love I love this. I is there anything else? I suppose I don't want to jump to the next um, sort of thing before. Is there anything else about rest? To, I mean, you've covered so many things there that are important. Um, anything else about rest before looking at what I was hoping to explore next is those challenges because it is, as I like to say, very Aussie term, you know, bloody hard to do. Um, and, but, you know, is there anything else about rest that any points you feel is important to get across to the audience before we move on to the challenges and implementing? Yeah, I, you kind of mentioned it earlier about earning rest. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really important. And we don't really realize that we've, we've gotten this messaging direct or indirect that rest has to be earned or deserved. Mm-hmm. And so often it can feel hard to rest because it feels selfish Or like you said, we put it last on the to-do list Mm -hmm. when the truth is no matter who you are, where you work, as long as you're human, you're going to have a to-do list Mm -hmm. until maybe you get um, ill or um, Mm -hmm. disabled or too old. And then someone else has to do that thing, whether Mm -hmm. it's a family member, you pay them. So the idea that there's an end of the to-do list where you'll finally have quote unquote earned or deserved rest Mm -hmm. is a fallacy. I think that comes from hustle culture largely. And also these other ways we get these messages. I'm not sure about in Australia, but in the US Mm. for vacation time, we have accrued paid time off. So you have to work a certain amount of hours Mm. and then you get a certain amount of hours of vacation time. Mm. That sends a slight message that you have to earn your rest, right? Or Mm. yeah. Or when Mm. I was a kid, um, you know, my parents were very well intended with this, but Mm. I couldn't have dessert or watch TV till I did my homework. And that's a slight message of you can't have pleasure or joy until you do enough. And 
I don't think a lot of this is intentional, but we internalize this and then we start to kind of believe this thing that rest comes last, that rest is earned, or we have to justify it. And that really gets in our way. And that um, can be very subtle, but it makes a huge impact. Uh, very similar as you shared that. Um, I mean, I only can speak for myself, but also I suppose, you know, client facing for many years that um, yeah, definitely. It's, it's the same here. I know, we, I, I believe that, uh, at our work, we generally have more holidays that we accrue, like oh. our works. Yeah. Is all, yeah. hundred percent. Um, but yeah. then, but it's still that passage, you know, that's still that process that then, yeah, ingrains cause it's you accrue. Um, and if you're a casual worker, um, I, actually, I think if you're full, anyway, not quite sure. Cause I spend a long time being casual or contract, um, so it accrues based on the hours that you work. Um, and as a contractor or as a solo practitioner, there is no such thing as sick pay or holiday pay because I am, yeah. the, I am it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you accrue it. But I think there's, yeah, there's still, uh, and growing up, definitely, I'm a generation X. So here in Australia, definitely it was, um, and I think that still happens for our younger generations as well. No harm intended. You know, the parents were just doing what they felt was was right. Yeah, you finished your food, you did your homework, everything was before play. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so definitely, yeah, earning that um, rest. And as we've come to know, rest is not just about stopping. It, it is these things like play. It is the physical, you know, yes. physical stuff, um, which that's a really great, tweak for me because I suppose I didn't see that as rest but I saw that as fundamental and important um, aspect of our health and well-being but seeing it as rest because you're getting rest from other things you know um, and it, it is something that's energy back in um, for you um, when you're playing or yeah having fun yeah or being creative or creative. you know for some folks it's like going to ceramics can feel restful even though it's a physical activity yeah it's restful in a different way. So yeah, as, as we expand the definition, we can integrate rest so much more frequently into yeah. our life. Yeah, that's it too. Yeah, it just seems uh, like um, more doable and, and more fun to explore. But like yes. what we're hitting on here, like by yeah, looking back into history, because often, yeah, when we're working with clients, I know, and even working with myself, and when I you know, worked with my psych, looking back in history to sort of see where those behaviours or those learned things have come from. So it's a little bit looking back to see, oh, this is how I've come here. And so one of the challenges for being able to incorporate rest in our lives is those learned behaviours or learned beliefs around rest that you're know, in therapy or, you know, of course, as we consume more information, we start to unpack <laughs> and unlearn yeah. and, and learn something different that's more conducive to our life right now but what um what other challenges are there that you have noticed personally or professionally with you know getting this type of physiological physical mental emotional rest yeah yeah so there's three that I want to highlight and I'll share some um kind of things folks listening can do to help address those challenges. That's brilliant um, too. Thank you. The, the first one you already mentioned, which was time, right? Mm -hmm. We do have a limited amount of hours in the day. And I was actually on a call with a really good friend last night who was talking about how she gets up, gets on the email for an hour, then gets her kids up, gets them ready for school, takes them to school, goes to work, back-to-back -back meetings, barely any time to do her work. Picks the kids up, does the whole homework, bath time, they go to sleep, she does more work. 
And as we were talking, she was folding laundry that she told me, oh, I haven't, this has been sitting in a pile clean for, for three weeks. I haven't gone to it. Right. Yeah. And I was just thinking that's such a perfect example of why it feels so hard to rest is how do we fit everything in mm. to the time we have. Mm. And one thing I really encourage folks to do is schedule rest. We schedule our meetings. We schedule our doctor's appointments. We schedule things for other people, other birthdays, our kids mm-hmm. stuff. We don't schedule time for rest. And that comes back to, oh, it comes last. It's once I get all this done, mm-hmm. but that's why we aren't doing it because yeah. we're never going to get it all done. So if you can block off some time in your calendar and you can start small, mm-hmm. maybe it's taking lunch away from your desk. Maybe it's five minutes of coffee before the kids get up. Whatever it is, you can start small. And that really having to schedule it in or choosing to schedule it in Mm. really gives you some responsibility and some empowerment to make it happen. And yes, you're going to have to be faced with shifting things, Mm. potentially deprioritizing some other things, Mm. but that's okay. That's part of the process. Mm. Really like making it fit into your life requires those decisions to happen, which aren't easy. But if you want to reduce your stress, have more rest and the benefits of it, that is part of the process. Yeah, it's just one of those realities, isn't it? Schedule, I think, um, I know I utilize that myself in my own personal experience. And even though I wasn't thinking about it as rest, I was scheduling like time for social, time for mm. physical activity, which was gym for me at the time, Um but I was actually putting them in my diary because the only things that I scheduled in my diary were work-related yeah. or, um, or or things that um, like cleaning. Yeah, I was cleaning. I mean, all of that was scheduled, but none of the rest stuff as, as I'm coming to, yeah, sort of, yeah, certainly terming it here. That, But, yeah, when I burnt out, I, I knew that if I wanted to, uh, it was just, and I gathered because of my psych training or whatever, I was just one of the things I grasped on. I went scheduling, <laughs> scheduling, yeah. let's put this in, but until it becomes second nature. And then I thought, then we might take it off the, the list, um, but, but be doing it. Um, but I, I still yeah. schedule it. I still schedule it actually. Cause um, I just find that it's, it's helpful to keep doing that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I encourage folks, this is what I have my clients do. Um, and it can be a real challenge at first mm. schedule time for you as the first thing you schedule, not the last. So when you sit down to update your schedule for the week, put that in first. And that feels very foreign, but what it does is it blocks out time on your calendar and that stays and you rearrange around it mm. and it shifts what you're prioritizing, which is part of what we need to do. Yeah, no. And, and it just made me really think about a, a thing I often talk about with clients the actions come first and then the feeling comes later. And what I mean by that is, okay, yeah, it's going to feel uncomfortable putting yourself first, but that action of scheduling you in first, that, and it's going to feel weird because it's shifting that mental narrative that you've had that will, you're last down the list. And so that's why it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But over time, it will become comfortable through the action you're taking. So this is so important. Um and I've even heard, and, and some of my clients take this on board, you know, because it, it, as you do, it's personalized. But the first thing that you do in the morning, it being about you, you know, whether it is that cup of tea or coffee or, you know, some of my gym friends, I used to go at 5 a.m. I don't anymore. <laughs> but, you know, they were, um, you know, recuperating from, uh, you know, 
they didn't necessarily turn that burnout, but trying to put themselves first and trying to look after themselves. And they said, yeah, this is them putting themselves first. And they would have a coffee afterwards because we go coffee gym and then they go home to look after their kids and so forth for the rest of the day and work. But doing it first. I love that. Yeah. And uh, actually she ended up being one of the guests because she, one of them I'm thinking of, um, uh, God, I have a name block today. (laughs) Teacher though, um, teacher and mother. Uh, she uh, burnt out and she was just finding the 5 a.m. starts was really helping her put herself first. Um, so, yeah. 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 So and that's said, such a good oh, example. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just no, going to say that's such a good, a good example of why rest is unique and personal because not everyone would find that restful. <laughs> and like for me, I get up a little early because I like alone time that's restful for me. So my while my partner's sleeping, I get up a little earlier. I have clients who will never do that. That's not restful for them. Mm-hmm. So it's really about figuring out what's restful for you. But you already mentioned the second challenge I wanted to share, which is yeah. rest can feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think about this a lot. This great example I had from a client a while ago who sat down to try to read and her brain just kept saying all the things she should be doing instead. Well, the dishes are, aren't done or you didn't, you could email back, you know, get back to your team or you could get dinner started early or you could do this. Mm. And rest can be uncomfortable for a lot of reasons, but that is one that I find is pretty consistent is mm. that mental load we're carrying yeah. or, um, you know, what our brain might be saying to us. And even emotionally, we might feel uncomfortable because we've kind of been taught this idea rest should just feel blissful and um, peaceful and joyful, but that's not the case. I mean, rest is like any, anything else. It's a habit. When I go to the gym, half the time I'm pumped, I'm ready to go kick butt. Half the time I'm, I'm, I don't want to be there, but I still do it because I like the outcome I get from it. I like feeling in shape, being able to hike, you know, fitting into my clothes, the endorphins I get from it. So it's the yeah. same thing with rest. So we have to start to shift it and think of rest more of a habit. Mm. And even though it's not going to feel amazing all of the time, we still do it because we like the benefits, the benefits mm. we get from it. Yeah. And nothing's gone wrong. If you go to rest and your brain won't be quiet, if you go to meditate and your brain doesn't shut up, mm. that's very normal. That's okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong or have to stop and shift and, and not focus on you. Yeah, just because you're not getting that, yeah, what's the advertisements and, you know, we we, yeah. think, we believe rest should feel like straight up. I suppose, it, yeah, it's it's knowing from people like yourself, you know, from, you know, the, the therapist that, um, or, you know, the knowledge you're gaining, that it's going to be uncomfortable for a while and that it doesn't mean that this is not working or what you're doing is not working. It's just, it's, it's going to take time. Um, and I sometimes use the, I was like, it take, I sometimes go, look, it takes a while for the body to catch up to, yes. you know, it, yeah, the adjustment, because it's used to you and the mind, you know, when I say body, I mean, mind and body. Um, it's been used to one way for what, and, you know, I work with clients who are usually somewhere between 30 and 50 and 60, you know, it's like, it's, it's had many years working in one way. <laughs> the body yeah. will just take a while to catch up and, um, but it will, it will. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And so is it like when you're working with people with that challenge, it's having that conversation about, yes, these are the realities of that change, that shift. It doesn't mean it's not working. It just is. Is there anything else that, you know, to work with that, um, yeah, that you wanted to impart? I just wanted to check you're working with that challenge, you know, of it feeling yeah. icky. 
and gross to start with. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I think it can be helpful to whether it's a coach or a therapist or even like a group or something, because as you start to try to implement more rest or build this habit, there are going to be challenges that come up mm-hmm. and to be able to work through them in real time, a normalize, nothing's wrong with you. This is a normal challenge, mm-hmm. but B have someone to help you troubleshoot it. Okay. Next time that you sit down mm-hmm. and your brain just doesn't feel like it will shut up here are some things you could try or what do you think you could do? You know? So, Mm. and part of it is it will get easier Mm. over time. One of my clients described it as, and I loved this, um, Mm. as almost a rest momentum. So in the, in the beginning, it could feel hard, but then you start to build momentum because you start to see the benefits of it. You start to feel Mm. proud of yourself for doing it. And it becomes a little bit easier to do Mm. similar with, working out, or I just worked with a nutritionist at at first, switching some of my diet felt really hard, but over time it's become a lot easier because I'm seeing the benefits of having Mm. more energy, not snacking as much, like, Mm. you know, feeling more um, satiated. And so now it's a little bit more intrinsic motivation. Mm. Same thing happens with rest. Yeah. Yeah. Any behavioral change, right? And I'm actually going through the nutritional one at the moment. So I'm (laughs) second week and yeah. Um, thank God I have that, um, that information, that knowledge base. And I'm working with, um, you know, with a nutritionist. So I have that support where I can troubleshoot and contact her. Right. But also um, she set up a support group. So I'm, I'm in it like Facebook, but, you know, I can um, get on there and send out a message and, you know, want someone from the group, you know, so that normalization, that validation, that support, um, so that external motivation to, yeah, I start to notice those um, benefits coming in, which because I've been here before, I know it will come back in. But then I love that rest moment, uh, momentum. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. And I'll get that with my nutrition again soon. So, um, yeah. So there's there's that. So thank you for sharing, um, you know, those other important factors that can help with that challenge. And there was a third one I think you mentioned yeah. Um, with rest that you wanted to to mention um, that is yeah. challenging. So this one I find um, often people socialize as women struggle with a lot compared to, for example, people socialize as men, which is feeling like you have to do everything for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Feeling like you're the caretaker, or the helper, that's your job, or maybe you gain value or, or self-worth from that role, whether it's mm-hmm. in your personal life or professional life. Um, I think part of that is some of us do just naturally have a desire to help people. I think some of it is how we're socialized by the patriarchy and other systems. Um, So then it can feel really selfish to take time for ourselves. And in public health, I see this a lot. And I think this is a lot of helping professions, teachers, social workers, doctors, nurses, because our whole job is to help people. Yeah. So in public health, a field where we lack funding and resources and staff, Taking time for yourself feels like you're putting the program or the community at a deficit, at a disadvantage. You're harming your, you're burdening your colleagues. Um, I have some clients who are parents and they feel like, well, if they take time for themselves, then they're hurting their kids somehow, right? Because they're not taking time for them. Um, And that's a big challenge. I think one thing I'd offer folks to remember is everything you do is a choice. We often think, oh, I have to, I have to do this. I have to do this for them. Mm-hmm. But that's not, that's not the case. When you think I have to, that, that feels like an obligation. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it builds resentment or dread mm-hmm. where when you might mar- remind yourself, I have a choice that's more empowering. You might still make the same choice, 
but at least you're recognizing you have power in that moment. Mm. And with, you know, putting potentially if you're raising kids aside, dealing with colleagues or adult family members, they're all adults with free wills and who have a choice too. Mm. So if I choose to take time out for myself, they have a choice to do whatever it is I might've done for them. Mm. Right. Or wait or whatever it may be. So Mm. I think we get in this us versus them thing. Mm. And when you're a helper, when you want to help people, you'll always choose someone else over yourself. Mm. And setting it up that way is a fail, not a fail like you're failing. It's just a lose lose situation. Yeah. Versus I have a choice. I'm an adult with free will. And so does everyone else. And we Mm. still want to be in community. We still want to engage thoughtfully, but it's not me versus them. Mm. It's us together. But also, I I still get to choose what's right for me. And I can Mm. trust that they can take care of themselves Mm. and figure out what they need to figure out if I'm taking time out for myself. Yeah. I hear that. That subtle but very powerful shift of have to to I choose to so it expands that mind and that sort of mindset into yeah I have free will they have free will to make choices if I'm choosing over here to put myself first in this moment and do this well then they have a choice to how to respond to that and and what they do so having that conversation having that shift with yourself could help yeah really expand that mind to and and almost say and and see things for what they actually really are it sounds like they have to and I hear this time and time again too like with the have to it I feel like it narrows it sort of that narrows that focus and like you said like I just mindset wise like it's like and breeds at us versus them um and and yeah, resentment can can um occur or even anxiety on the flip side because if I do this, that person, you know, mine was because I don't have kids myself. I yeah. was uh, a lot of I'm going to burden my clients if um I step back and take on less clients um because you know we had a huge wait list and here I was wanting to step back and do less um and say goodbye to client you know to to refer on clients and so. Yeah, it was more anxiety about well, what will happen to them because I made myself their whole world kind of thing. Like, you know, well, um, when the, the, there's choices, not necessarily great choices, but there's choices, you know. Um, yeah. And choice. also I, th- I find that once you start to do it, you actually see there's a positive ripple effect. So for me, when I started to do less, mm-hmm. set boundaries, not check emails at night, leave the office, turn down projects, mm-hmm. you know, originally I thought, oh, that was going to be the worst thing ever. People weren't going to like me. You know, I was not going to advance my career or like I'd burden my colleagues. No, it turned out I was modeling behavior that inspired other people. And Mm. I had colleagues who would start to come to me. How do you do this? How can I say no? Can you help me? Mm. Um, Mm. And if you are a parent, you'd be modeling that for your kids of how to create a life where they're prioritized. If you're a supervisor, you're modeling that for the staff that you're directing, right? And it can really shift. And this is the beautiful thing. When we think about systems level versus individual level, Mm. if we're changing at the individual level, we are changing the system. And the more we model that, the more our community changes, the norms change, and then the systems change. So once you start to do it, you do see that actually it's not just great for you. It's great for the people around you too. Definitely. I'm glad you mentioned that as well, because that's often, uh, oh, well, that's been my experience too. Not what my mind, my anxiety told me, <laughs> which was like, yeah. oh my God, they're going to hate you. They're not going to like you that, you know, you're a failure as a psych, blah, blah, blah. 
the opposite is true for the majority of people, um, my colleagues, but also clients. Um, it really inspired them, uh, well, ex-clients now, but inspired them. Uh, or, or funny enough, they're like, well, Shannon, that was the lesson you were teaching me. In, in yeah. <laughs> so, so like it reinforced that lesson of the importance in their gratitude to me, but also wanting um, me to put myself first, which was like I was like blown away from the client response. But um, colleagues, yeah, who inspired going, who are needing that that shift as well. But I love that link to culture. Like I've, yeah. I always think of the Michael Jackson song, um, starting a uh, man in the mirror and just the lyric, it starts with a man in the mirror. So basically if you're wanting to see change um, in the world, you start with yourself. Yes. And, and that's just stuck with me um, all these years. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's nice to know that coming back to our earlier conversation, we can get stuck in that, you know, when we're focusing on those external factors that are contributing to the burnout um, systemically and not being able to have direct control or change of that. But when we're working on ourselves and noticing that this actually helps shift and change or potentially shift and change that culture without yeah. tackling that head on, you're tackling you head on. Um is brilliant you know it's that sense of yeah sense of control sense of I don't know service or something yeah I yeah you know I have a client I was working with I'm I'm not anymore who is taking a leave of absence from work because Mm -hmm. of the burnout she was very worried about how her colleagues would react Mm -hmm. and she contacted me and said that they're they're starting to shift the whole culture that one of her colleagues contacted her and said you've inspired all of us to prioritize our health Mm. so in a world where taking medical leave can be seen as weak or something's wrong with you in reality her doing that inspired the organization inspired other people to shift and that is that is beautiful that's Mm. what we want right Mm. so just like you said sometimes our anxiety or our brain are telling us things that aren't Mm. necessarily true no um so oh that's really it's lovely and inspiring hearing these these stories you know the more and more I hear of the the stories out there I don't know it just yeah it keeps inspiring me (laughs) to do what I do and um keep on track with my own well-being stuff as well so yeah we've spoken about what rest actually is and and some of those major challenges you notice in the work that you do that people face that we've even faced ourselves um but and you've also started to talk to those benefits, you know, and I, I wanted to yeah make room to chatting about that because benefits are something that can help us start this change, you know, but also be, like start to notice as we're you know getting through that icky uncomfortable period, um, and and noticing some of that um, benefits that are, are coming with making time for this type of rest physically, physiologically, and emotionally and mentally. I want to keep reiterating that. Um, what, what are those benefits that you notice? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll share some of like what the research shows, but also what I've seen through myself and working with clients. Appreciate you know, the research is growing. There needs to be quite a bit more. And as mm-hmm. you could imagine, mm-hmm. like, there are some challenges with conducting that type of research. But of the research that we have, like one of the main ones that's been studied a lot is vacation. As, as I said earlier, just because you're on vacation doesn't mean it's restful. So that's important to just as a little caveat. But of the studies out there, what, what it shows is that the people who take more vacations can have a reduced risk for heart disease, for dementia, for depression, and can be 50 plus percent happier than people that don't take vacation. Okay, wow. We also know from some studies that 
creativity, and this has been shown through a couple different studies, can actually re- slow your stress cycle or reduce the release of stress hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, being in nature, having time outside has been shown to increase creativity, um, focus, problem solving. So there's more and more research showing that taking time out, going in nature, being creative, these forms of things that can be restful are beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I have found with my clients is, you know, even I feel like even bigger than that, it affects every area of your life. So for example, actually it saves you a lot of money, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a client who recently shared with me that she saved thousands of dollars on travel because she's no longer booking all her trips last minute where it's double the cost. Mm-hmm. She actually has time in her schedule and she's not as stressed out to plan trips for herself in advance. That's mm-hmm. something she did for her. That was a form of rest. Um, also yeah to plan to plan these trips Mm -hmm. um you know for some folks cooking is a form of rest and the more they make time to cook the less they're spending eating out or Mm -hmm. you know here we have uber eats or doordash those delivery services Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so there's different ways that actually can save you money um it also can have such a huge impact on your on your physical health so for me i have psoriasis which is a um for folks listening who aren't familiar yeah. It's a skin inflammatory disorder, mm-hmm. really gets inflamed by stress, big, red, blotchy, itchy spots. Um, and during the time I was burned out, I had bad outbreaks and I tried mm-hmm. all the things. I tried steroid shots and steroid topicals and UV treatment. Um, once I eliminated my burnout, I haven't had an outbreak since. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've heard from clients around like getting more sleep. Um, being less reactive to the people around you, having more patience, um, not being as short. And then I've seen a lot, which is such a beautiful, beautiful outcome is people, um, especially women in public health, where you can kind of lose yourself. It feels like, and your passions and your dreams, you might've started out really ambitious, had big dreams for your life. Mm. And then as you're on the grind, as you're in the daily, daily, um, you're last on the list. So working through burnout can really give you an opportunity to have mental, emotional space and um, the ability to prioritize yourself without feeling selfish or guilty mm. and reconnect to what gives you joy or what fulfills you. And sometimes some people sh- shift careers or reduce how much they're working to be with their kids or mm. do more travel or take up art again or uh, practice mm. their Spanish again, right? they they enrich so much of their life with that play you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, because even though we've been kind of sold this idea that happiness and joy and fulfillment comes from the degrees and the salary and buying a house mm-hmm. and all these things, um, oftentimes that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Fulfillment and joy comes from the internal piece, doing things that bring us joy, being mm-hmm. present in the moment, making memories. So I find it often creates that, which is not yet, you know, of course, um, reflected in the, uh, population level research, but those are just some things I see from, from clients experience and my own too. Yeah. And actually the conversations that I've had with um, people who come on the pod for lived experience, that's often something that they do report depending for those that I've worked with or spoken with, I should say, um, that, like they're right through their burnout, like they're, you know, through from mm. their recovery to maintaining some I've talked to where they're still in the recovery, um, but that enrichment of their lives. And I can certainly speak for my own, you know, that, and it was a process that took time, but reconnecting with 
what actually truly brings me joy, but having the space and time to actually reflect on that, which my life was too jam-packed on, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, you know, mine was all about the career, um, that I just didn't have space to do that um, or even know the, well, I knew the importance of it. I just didn't have the space. So, yeah, and do that now. And it is the little things. Um, and I, I love, um, you know, it's watching my dogs at play. It's going out, um, walking them in nature at the dog park. It's watching my husband play with my dogs, you know. And and like you said, benefits that often end up being financial benefits too. I used to spend hundreds of dollars a month on which you know it's not wasn't huge with the wage I had back then (laughs) but um you know but on um a remedial massage and physio um, and I don't need any of that anymore because I mean there's a couple of ambulance that but in general um most of it was stress related my musculoskeletal issues um Mm. and they no longer exist uh so um I haven't been for remedial massage in I think what two years and a bit not saying that I probably couldn't do with but it's not yeah it I was trying to answer it with that and it was really my stress that was the burnout that you know um, right not just stress it was you know chronic stress um burnout that yeah um, and to make it sorry to interrupt you to make it clear for folks Mm -hmm. we're not saying that like ordering takeout or um Mm -hmm. you know getting massages or anything is bad right Mm -hmm. it's just are you doing it to try to manage your stress Mm -hmm. because that doesn't really work long term right versus you can manage your stress and have rest and then choose more intentionally rather than reactively impulse shopping or um, having to purchase something because you don't have the time to do your research. Right. And so it's not, there's no like shame here or or morality around this, but it's, are these behaviors because you're struggling with your burnout and your stress? That's very important point to make. And I am very much like a mindfulness, mindfulness based practitioner. So there's no such thing. I try to take a neutrality to things that, that and it's about assessing and what is what's working for us and you know what's working for me you uh and gaining this information to help you make informed choices for you in that moment uh and and what that action might be about for you yeah but no yeah there's no shame these things I put like I've I probably should go see a remedial masseuse because there are some things um that probably do need that attention, but now incorporating these other things of rest that I hadn't done before. Uh, so creativity, uh, you know, that slowing down, that nature walk, the time. And something you mentioned, I wanted to like the, I, I think you were alluding to, I don't know if we went it, or you went into it. Sorry, my brain is is forgetting. But one of the benefits I noticed, and this was actually one of the driving reasons why I chose not to go back to clinical work uh, for, well, at least a year. And that was my relationships, particularly my marriage, that whilst we weren't on the rocks, I could see, I started to see that this was going to be a consequence of my burnout. And obviously they're not just all about me, you know, like again, but I knew that was not, and me being all about work, was going to make my marriage a sacrifice in the long term, well, pretty short term, I reckon. And so that was a driving force to prioritise my health 
um, to look after me that I felt like I could show up in that relationship because, and it took a, a while to be able to show up in that relationship because I took that year to show up for me <laughs> and I still show up for me. But I, you know, I, it was, it was deteriorating my relation, my, my marriage, but also my ability to, to cultivate my friendships as well. Yeah. Um, so I had no time for them, my family, you know, um, I think the only person who got anything out of me during that time with my dog was my dog. I only had one back then and um, have two now, but, you know, I think she was the only one I had energy for. <laughs> and even then that yeah. wasn't um, much, you know, um, th- uh, compared to what I give them now. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm really glad you highlighted that because we do know that social connection is one of the best things for um, living longer for reducing, you know, various mental health um, experiences, depression, you know, so that that social piece, especially now we're a lot of um, online constantly, right? Yeah. So being able to connect with people in your life with more presence, with more patience to have more time for them, whether it's existing relationships or new relationships has so many benefits Mm. to your health. And also just feels better. I I know for me, when I was burnt out, I was, I mean, I can't imagine how other people felt being around me because I didn't even like being around me. I was so grumpy all the time and upset. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's for ourselves too. Like I wasn't able to enjoy those relationships and that was a disadvantage for me as well. Yeah. I'm glad you said that too. Um, I will. Yeah. It's, it's about us too. Like I wanted to um you know sharpen my relationship and yes you know uh, for for that other person but also for me I wasn't enjoying my relationships at all either because that was another area I had to overhaul because I had no I had very limited boundaries (laughs) and the helper I was in my role as a psychologist I end up doing as a friend or a wife or a a, you know daughter sister and it's right you know not conducive um for for joy or fun (laughs) or um a sustainability um so yeah changing that as well but yeah for us you know it's about you know um what brings us joy and fulfillment and satisfaction and well-being and prioritizing us and and everyone else who matters to us and we matter to them it will benefit them yeah 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 if they don't really matter to us or our well-being doesn't matter to to them then and I've lost I've lost connections but I'd I'm okay with that now. It's been a process, but it's like, okay, that wasn't meant to be, you know? Yeah. And also I, you know, for me, part of my burnout journey, I had to let go of a lot of people pleasing and a lot of rescuing Mm. other people. And I've some friendships have ended because of that, but that was a good thing ultimately because Mm. they weren't, a, I wasn't showing up as my authentic self. So it wasn't Mm. really friends with my true self. B, it wasn't a relationship that we were both contributing in the same way. It wasn't so once I let go of that and become more conscious with my relationship, it's even if I might have less, they're more fruitful. The quality, beneficial. yeah, quality versus quantity, even with rest, right? I sometimes have this conversation with clients where it's relevant in their personal journey. It's, it's quality over quantity. It's not about necessarily how much time, but that quality yes. of that rest time. And like you've already mentioned, that's important. Starting small when we're making this shift from no rest um to rest it's that starting small and quality trumps quantity anytime 
Because like you said, anything can be restful, but sometimes when we're engaging in that rest act, like your your client with reading, and I hear that too, that their brain is still going because it's not used to this kind of rest. It's like it's still yeah. in that doing my mode um, and it's going to take her some time. So that quality of that rest is not there yet, but it will be, you know. Um, yeah. Like you said, working with your your trainer, so your therapist, um, to troubleshoot that and, and what could help their um but yeah, but the quality of that rest um, is is so much important. And yeah, with our social quality over quantity, it's not how many friends you have, how many likes you have, how many followers you have. It's the quality of the yeah the people around you, the connections you have. So true. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And for us recovering people pleasers, because like, yeah, um, yeah. Um, perfectionists, perfectionists, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, it is. It's such a learning curve in that social respect, and and it and working with clients who are the same, and working through that, and they've lost people, and it sometimes there's that grieving process in that, and yeah. and that loss, and um, working through that with them. It's whilst very fruitful to work on rest, it comes with its challenges, but it's doable. And there's so course, many yeah. out there, including us too, who, you know, being there, done that. And I, I, you know, work in progress, you know, it's something that I continually assess and reflect on and um, at times to see what I need now, because what I needed two years ago is very different to what I need now. Um, I've changed. I don't do the 5am gyms anymore. It's now a 6am walk you know, because I need to slow down and just, yeah, my body needs walking at the moment. So she's walking. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's, yeah, I suppose I share that, just that flexibility you mentioned earlier too about finding what works for you for right now and experiment. Yeah. So. It's so, it's so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah. There's so much, uh, you know, so, so much we could talk about within this, you know, pocket of, of rest, but so much that has been shared, you know, with what truly is rest, what those challenges are, those main ones and how you can face that ways to get through that as you shared. And also the benefits that you can expect, you know, um, and again, it will you know be different for everybody, but we can pretty much guarantee there will be benefits. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they won't come necessarily straight away, you know, um, but they will come. Um, but knowing about them and and um, and if you have had experiences of rest, you know, even going back in that archives of history, right, and going, back when maybe before kids, before the career, like yeah. what, was, what was, you know, what did bring me joy? What was restful? What what really um, gave me energy? And um, it might be that not the things that you want to do now, but it can start to, you know, what were those benefits you felt back then? And, you know, it can help carve that way for now. But I was wondering my next, and I suppose last question on this topic is, is there, is there any, I always do this with every guest, like, some parting wisdom, you know, if there's something maybe that we haven't covered or maybe we have and you want to reiterate that, but some parting wisdom that you want the the listeners to to go away with um, today. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last thing I'd leave with is as you go along this journey, whether you're starting or continuing, be proud of yourself. Mm-hmm. Feeling proud and recognizing your accomplishments is so much more motivating than putting yourself down for not doing it perfectly or not doing it enough. So that might look like if you're just starting this journey, I guarantee you there are already things you're doing in your life where you're prioritizing you, but you're not giving yourself credit for it, right? Mm. So what are those things? How can you recognize that you're already doing some stuff for you? Mm. If you're building in more rest, 
how can you celebrate that? Maybe you're, maybe you're trying to read a couple times a week and you only read once. You can still celebrate that. You don't have to put yourself down for not doing it all three times. You can celebrate that you were able to prioritize that. So the more that you can recognize and celebrate yourself along the way, the more momentum you'll gain, the better you will feel and the easier it will get. Yeah. So important. Sorry if you can hear my dogs in the background. There. <laughs> Hannah, and, Hannah and Toby have finally woken up and now they're on guard. Um, they're, they're dogs that don't do mornings. It's funny. I've been out for my walk. Can't take my dogs because they will not get out of bed. <laughs> um this is their time was it like 9 a.m it's probably the postie our post um postman um post person I should say <laughs> but yeah 9 44 is probably about that um but yeah celebrate this is something I was absolutely shit at I was terrible like I, I was very much the critic um and didn't give myself credit but it was something I recognized as well in my healing process and tried to, and, and yeah, incorporate, be proud of yourself. I remember saying to my psychologist that I was working with um, through my burnout, I said, I'll know I'm doing better when I can actually really authentically say I am proud of myself. And I got to that point and I still get goosebumps. I still get goosebumps. Mm. But that purposeful action of choosing to celebrate, choosing, it was it was a conscious effort to start, well, conscious choice. Not, yep. you know, took effort, but a conscious choice to, I'm going to celebrate this. I'm going to choose to look at what I'm already doing. And like you said, yeah, most of our clients that we work with, most people, they are doing things in their life that is already prioritizing themselves, but they may not see that, whether it might be taking a minute longer in the shower um, or, I, I, you know, um, listening to music while they cook or, you yeah. know, just just something like that or going to the gym um, or going for that walk. Um, or even texting your friend back. Yeah. Like it's very hard to text people back. That's an amazing accomplishment if you got yeah. back to them, right? There's so many yeah. things. And if, um, yeah, you know, as you're we talking about your story, it reminded me of how I, I was the same as you. Oh my gosh. I was my worst critic, right? Mm -hmm. The one thing I did, and now I assign my clients to do this, mm -hmm. that helped me so much. I created this activity called the pride jar get a jar, get a hat, get any sort of vessel every day for 30 days, write down one thing you're proud of, put it in the jar. And some days will feel really hard. And you might write, I'm proud I brushed my teeth and that's okay. And some days you might be really excited and to write down, you might have more than one thing mm. and it builds that practice. And that end of 30 days, you can go back and read them and you yeah. can see how far you've come. And it, and if you feel like you could use structure to recognize yourself more that could be an activity folks listening could use yeah oh that's brilliant something tangible too we and you know tangible that we can do that's visual that can give us that yeah. feedback later on brilliant love it I've done the jar thing for other things but not that I like that you know like I've done the jar gratitude one. gratitude a lot of people do gratitude yeah. yeah but also for the the um joyful moments throughout the year oh yeah um, and then look at it at the end of the year. I only ever yeah. last about two months of that, but and I I acknowledge that that's okay. <laughs> like, I will say a year is a long time. Like yeah. the idea of New Year's resolutions for the whole year is very hard. I actually find setting shorter term goals. Mm -hmm. I'm more successful that way, and I can build the momentum to to yeah. increase them later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if there's any goal that I've done consistently for a whole year. 
<laughs> I, <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. No, it's so hard. But again, finding what works for us, hey. And mm-hmm. it might be that the jar thing's not your gem and you find another way. But this, but the overall message yeah. and the process is important. Finding a way to celebrate ourselves, celebrate yeah. those changes, but also notice the strengths, notice the change that is already there or, or that we're already doing yeah. in terms of, um resting uh because our brains you know our brains are so good and they're designed to see the negative first it's the i um oh yeah yeah negativity and bias yeah yeah, Survival. It, it yeah. Is. you're not going to change that fact but we can train it and through these conscious chosen choice actions that does you know help with that wiring and does support that more balanced look but you know, and especially when we are tired and fatigued and stressed, yeah. that's when she's even more negative. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yes. Th- yeah, all that adds up. Yes. And everything is, is a plus. Well, thank you so much, Marissa. But before we finish up, I'm imagining um, those who've been listening to this, uh, you know, podcast episode so far um, would want to be reaching out and sort of touching base with your work, you know, resources, things, how can they get in touch with you? Or what are the things that, yeah, that you offer that you'd like to get put out there in the universe to this audience? Um, yeah. yeah, I'd love to connect with folks listening. Um, mm-hmm. If you're on LinkedIn, that's the main way I connect with folks. I'm sure you'll include some links, but you definitely, can just, it will be yeah. in the, yeah, in the episode Sir- bio. Yeah. Okay, perfect. You can search for Marissa McCool um, or my website, McCool Coaching, if you're interested in learning about, about coaching. Um, the other thing, I have a podcast. It's currently on rest, very on theme. I love that on um, rest. Oh, can I steal that? Just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> no, sometimes I take time off <laughs> from it. Too. Yeah. But yeah. So it's called Redefining Rest. Um, we're not producing it in 2024, but there's about 140 episodes. So folks want to go in the catalog and dive a little deeper. We cover lots of different topics. Fantastic. Um, so yeah, lots of ways to get connected, continue to, it's a journey. It's a process, right? Mm-hmm. So lots of different ways to continue your learning mm-hmm. and um, self-reflection and, and changes. Mm. Oh, Marissa, that's excellent. And I'm so sorry I didn't even pick up on that, that your, your podcast. I mean, I was just that's saying, okay. I, I'm just, in that stage of like, how much do I promote it since we're taking a break? You know, so I'm still working that stuff well, out as far as, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned it because you have a back catalog of 140 episodes with yeah. a wealth of information that the, you know, the clients, the audience that's listened today, hearing about what we've touched upon today with rest, they can now deep dive further if they want to. And if you don't mind, I, I, on my website, have a page where I like it's, it's resources that are connected with that could be helpful for burnout. If I can put your um, podcast up there so people can connect with that, that, uh, and I can recommend my clients. Oh, of course, of course. It's, it's not going anywhere. The catalog will remain. Yeah. So yeah, um, this is a good, also a good reminder for me. I should still share it, even though we're on break. Like it still would be helpful for folks. <laughs> Definitely. There's that, um, I think of old school, you know, Gen X grew up in the time of, you know, encyclopedias and going to the library, <laughs> there was no databases. Um, you know, if there's a topic you wanted to learn about that somebody's written about, you know, yes. uh, 10 years ago, 
I'm kind of thinking, you know, the podcast like that, that might be on hold or maybe they're not producing anymore. It doesn't mean that that information that they've shared isn't so valuable to people in the here and now. So thank you for, yeah, willing to share yeah. that with us. Um, that's going to be valuable. But, yes, they can reach out to you, on, on you through your website, through LinkedIn, which, yeah, all will be in the um, podcast episode bio so or whatever we call that. I don't know the lingo. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the lingo and make up my own. Um, but I'll um I'll pop it in there so people can reach you. But um, thank you so very much for sharing your wisdom on this topic today and your personal um and and professional experience there because I think that brings such richness to the topic as well that lived experience and that work with other clients living this experience. So thank you for your willingness to share all this wisdom with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I could talk about rest forever. So it's my pleasure to be here and share. And if anyone listening has questions, feel free to reach out and I'm happy to answer them. Oh, thank you, Marissa. That's really beautiful too. So yeah. Um, and is that through LinkedIn is the best way to, yes, yeah, that's the best way, yeah. Up. yeah. So yeah. Audience there, there you go. You have, you can tap into Marissa's brain more to um, get help there. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. I could talk for, you know, I can talk with you about anything and everything but this topic as well. Um, <laughs> but it's one of my things I love to do is talk. So, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Take care. Thank you for listening to When Burnout Becomes Reality podcast. This pod relies on the power of its listeners to push it out to the four corners of the earth in hope that it reaches as many people in need as possible. So please like, share, follow, comment, or leave a review. Pay it forward, and I will be forever grateful. If you'd like to share your burnout to recover experience, or you are an expert working in the burnout field and would like to share your wisdom on the pod, please email me at shannonswales at burnoutpsychologysupport.com. To keep up to date with episode releases, please follow us on your favorite podcast provider or by joining our mailing list for at www.burnoutpsychologysupport.com. To check out the Burnout Psychology Services on offer at Burnout Psychology Support, my telehealth practice, visit www.burnoutpsychologysupport.com forward slash psychology services. Once again, thank you for listening and please take care of yourself. Bye for now.